Welcome to episode 8 of Let's Watch Cop Rock, an 11-episode podcast discussing that classic police procedural rock musical soap opera crime drama Cop Rock, 11 episodes of which aired on ABC during the fall of 1990. Over the course of this podcast as a whole, we discuss the events of the show, our reactions to the music, and the ways this program worked or didn't work, and why some of it still seems very relevant today. Sometimes we get political, sometimes we crack up uncontrollably, Sometimes we tell unbelievable but entirely true stories of our own lives' intersections with crime or law enforcement or both. Every episode we play Good Cop, Bad Cop, or Innocent Bystander. In episode 7, we continued to discuss some of the ways cop rock still feels current, especially around questions of race and American culture and politics. That is still ongoing as a thread in episode 8, as the show maybe, just maybe, figures out what it wants to say to its audience. I want to take a second to echo something Detective Duda says in this, which is how much fun it is to sit around and talk about a show like this with good friends. Thank you for being a part of it with us. Watch the eighth episode of Cop Rock before listening. Trust me, it'll make a lot more sense that way. You can get Cop Rock on Amazon or direct from Shout Factory. There are links for each in the show notes. I want to remind you, we're not affiliated with Shout Factory, and we're not affiliated with Cop Rock, and we gain nothing from that purchase. It just makes it a lot more reasonable to listen to the podcast. You can find Officer Orifice on Twitter as at Officer Orifice, and I'm there too as at Cop Rocker. Our theme music, as always, is The Crime by Risework, with full attribution in the show notes. And now, let's watch Cop Rock! So, welcome to episode eight of Let's Watch Cop, Cop. Rock. Yay. I am Sergeant Snell. I'm Detective Duda. And I'm Officer Orifice. Yes. Go team. Go team. <laughs> so, we're seventy-two percent of the way through oh the show. <laughs> Such a nerd. How would you know? I that? am. I'd Did you just make that up? No, it's eight eleventh. That's. I mean, like, how do you not know what that is? Because I'm all about arts. <laughs> That's like math. Math is music, or and maths. music is math. What's that? Music is math. Well, I thought m- I thought music was the food of love. Well, it is. See, to me, see, math is also the food of love. Well, I don't know. I don't want to eat a load of numbers. By the <laughs> bless you, Duda. Oh, thank you. Yeah, bless you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's freshly shorn. That's why totally. she's sneezing. She's she, she's sneezing on, on her own fur. That's just like Dander got kicked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just like floating about in it. So uh, it's hay, it's hay fever season. But what most people don't know is in this area, uh, it's uh, half the time it's not hay fever. It's uh, it's doodad's fur. That's yeah, just that's out, right. out out and about, isn't it? Yeah. And then floating. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah she's a terrible button. fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> she just can't stop doing it. Yeah, I know. Um, and that's what I meant by terrible. I right. meant, like, you know, she's like insatiable. She's an yeah. insatiable fluffer. That's right. Yeah. She's a very good one. Yes. Uh, not that I know, but, you know, sort of like... <laughs> <coughs> anyway, so we we'll do the episode, shouldn't we? Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's pretty good content. All right. <laughs> that's better than some episodes of Cockrock. That's true. <laughs> However, I would argue not this one. No, this is actually a really solid episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was the best. Um, I did. My first note about this episode was last time on Cop Rock is getting longer and longer, and eventually the opening credits are just going to be the closing credits. <laughs> like they're just going to play all eleven episodes. They're going to say last time on Cop Rock, play all eleven episodes, run the opening credits, run the closing credits, and the series is over. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, that would be kind of awesome, wouldn't it be? I would I, love that. I'm reminded of the last time on Buffy from the last episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which, like, starts with clips from the first season and works its way through all seven seasons. Yes. Which was gorgeous and beautiful, and I'm getting goosebumps about it now, yeah. 15 years later. So, you can imagine how I reacted then. Oh, my God. Sorry, I started talking about a better television show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just had to slap snout. That's, that's the way it goes. It is. Um, yeah, so the episode is called Pots Don't Fail Me Now. And yet... Um, and although I've said, uh, what a great episode. Remind me who Pots is again? He's the guy who's going to testify, remember? The, oh, he's Donnie. He's Donnie. ex-partner. Yeah. Donnie, uh, okay. The husband of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Um... I, uh, my first note is Vicky, or daughter-wife, saying, you're being a bully and I don't like it. And I just kind of thought, yes. Fucking finally. She's yeah. finally standing up to him. And so she, and she says it and she just tells it like it is. And um, also my, my second note is Ralph's not even trying to hide his assholeness. Oh, yeah. At this point. Total creeper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Total creeper. My second note was Ralph is a fucking monster. (laughs) Like, I hate Ralph now. I hope he dies in the course of the show. Uh, And then I hope the actor suffers a little bit. (gasps) Oh, my Lord. (laughs) I don't want the actor to die. I want the actor to, like, maybe have somebody say something unkind to him in public. About being an awful father-husband? Something like that. Yeah. Like, to recognize him from this part and be like, you know, you're a fine actor and a, and a decent human being, and I'm sure you've, you know, been kind to puppies and donated to lots of charities, but you played a monster and I kind of don't like you. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'd be a lot of um, uh, 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 satisfaction in that for the actor if somebody was to go up to him and perhaps just, like hit him over the head with a brick <laughs> then at least he knows he's done his job you know he's done his job mm-hmm. he's sort of like he's created a, a character that people love to hate stop reading my visualizations journal <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, uh, yes Duda you don't even want to know my notes because I had to recreate my notes because 
I left and or lost them, and so fast forwarding does not really create for the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're ruining the magic now. Father, husband, daughter, wife arguing in hallway. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty we much it, wasn't it? But then they, we do roll into the first song, which which is mm. "Ladies in the Locker Room." Throwing it down, and I do have to say that was definitely like a way to kick off this episode. What a great song! What yes. an amazing song. song! Lots of energy, great yeah. lyrics. Like the little Prince guitar riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and in fact, my note is Vicky's song won me over with that little Prince Prince esque guitar riff. Actually, I love this song, but it's still not about cops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, no, that's true, isn't it? It's still not about cops, but it is sung by cops, and that's a step up. Yeah. It is, actually, and it's sung by one of the regulars. Yeah, who was one of the actors who was also in the song writing room, because she's the songwriter. Right. Mm. She's an award-winning songwriter, the actor who plays Vicky. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's, okay. she's like an award-winning songwriter and wrote for really famous people um and bobby is that and bobby yeah, okay. yeah uh i have to say she was amazing in this it was a great song she performed it incredibly well and so did everybody else because it was a bit of an ensemble uh, uh, number and uh, and yeah i sort of i put prince and in influence vicky song and uh uh called uh, why can't a man be more like a woman and I, in my notes, I put one of the of the best songs. Mm-hmm. I would stake my trousers on it and say this is actually the best song so far. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I think definitely one of the top three. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything you know off the top of my head, but I definitely it's definitely one of the tops. Yeah, if not the top. I would maybe at this point in the series have it tie. With perfection, yeah. I knew you were going to say perfection, but that's just because visually I love perfection so much. Yeah. I think musically, this is a radically yeah. superior song, and the performance of it musically is radically superior. Mm-hmm. And like they give her great backup singers, they give yeah. her great backup dancers. It's really well filmed. It's really well choreographed. Yeah, they have just basically. I feel like this song is the biggest finger that Boschka could give the network. When they're like, you should just ditch the music parts and turn this into a regular cop show. And he's like, no, this can be a great musical. Mm -hmm. And like, this is a really great song. Yeah. If every song in this series had been up to this standard, we'd still be watching it today. I'm I'm, I'm putting it out there. Season 27. Yeah, it would have been Law and Order before Law and Order. (laughs) There would have been five spinoffs and those spinoffs would still be running. Yeah. It was so good. Such a great song. And it goes without saying, it's going on the unofficial soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So question is, are we going to have the unofficial soundtrack in order of the episodes that they were on? Or are we going to pick it and kind of have like a lot of soundtracks are where they pick the solid, you know, strongest song is usually the second song. And then they kind of... Do hmm. fillers like ballads and rock songs and or rap oh. songs in between? Do you know what that? Yeah, that's like, a, how are we gonna, like, that's really that interesting. Up? That reminds me of um, when um, Kirsty McCall died. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Kirsty McCall was a British singer songwriter who died. God, I think it was about fifteen years ago now. She was amazing. I fucking loved her. But anyway, she died and. Um, 
Not only did she um, uh, write and record her own material, uh, and she covered um, other people's songs as well. She covered some. Um, oh Christ! What she? What she covered? Um, there is a point to this. Um, stay with me. Um, she covered. <laughs> uh, oh God! A Morrissey song or a Smith? Song? Oh, you just haven't earned it yet, baby. Oh. And um, is that a Morrissey song or a Smith song? Is it? Uh, anyway, I don't remember. Well, they kind of said, "Well, her version was better." She covered Billy Bragg's "A New England" and just mm. like, and he, mm. he and he said. Yeah, her version is better. And she actually wrote another verse to go in it as well, which oh. was just sort of like fantastic. This, the woman was a genius. And at, at one point, she was married to a music producer called Steve Lillywhite, I think he was called. Uh, is called, sorry. And I, I'm um, just going to pause and say that's the most English name ever. Steve Lillywhite, I know. <laughs> that's amazing. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. And, um, and then he um, produced... Um, I think it was U2's it might have been Joshua Tree mm. oh wow uh, I think it was Joshua Tree uh, it's the one that has the um, I, I still haven't found what I'm looking mm-hmm. for That's is that Joshua Tree yeah. yeah and anyway what a lot of people don't realise is that she was responsible for the order of the songs on Joshua Tree wow oh. and um so you two had been trying to work out the order of the songs and just it was, wasn't working. Steve Lillywhite was trying to work out, and then he he like took it home to Kirsty McCall, and then she just kind of like listened to it and says, "All right, here's your running order," and um, and then he took it in, and you two was like. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, and it's then, re- if you think about it, it's so important. Yeah, and then sort of like, and then Bono or who, uh, 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 or the Edge or whoever, sort of like, when they saw Kirsty McColl next, they kind of said, "How the hell did you manage that?" Because we really struggled, and she was like, favorite song, second favorite song, third favorite song, fourth favorite song, and that was the order, and yeah. It was just like a perfect playlist of the nice. way that they all kind of like flowed. So, in answer to your question, I don't think we should do it that way because even though a song from Coprock might be strong enough to make it to the original soundtrack, it's still a song from Coprock. <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> by the time you get to like song 12 or whatever. Oof. Oof. Yeah, you might be, you know, you might be getting out of the razor blades. You may be setting up that noose, smoking some crack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna be getting down on the drags of that lake. I married my daughter, and now she's in love with her partner. <laughs> and I'm sitting alone in the library, <laughs> and I really need to pee, but it's fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody wants that. So, so. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's a really, really long way. That's a, that's a really, really long-winded way of me saying. I don't know. Well, as the keeper of the playlist, it's up to you. But, or maybe we can. Is Christy McCall available to? Well, we can have a séance. Exactly. Oh, she did die uh, fifteen years ago. Bless her. Oh, I didn't know that. I know. Unless you said that, and I just totally spaced. Maybe <laughs> he did, uh, but you know, what okay. else? <laughs> <laughs> I do talk a lot. I can't expect you to like you know listen to every single no, thing. I, I say. try. I know. <laughs> it's all that fur in your ear. I know. I mean, God, go get some hot wax. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said ear there. Now I'm worried that the listeners. I have a really, really, like, fucked up idea of what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really 
quite all right looking. Oh, she's beautiful, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Although I make her sound like something out of a dark crystal. But, Which is um, totally fine. Yeah. You know. Yeah, or labyrinth. Create some curiosity and or find my ungoogleable ass. <laughs> yeah. I am not Googleable. Really? Not at all. That's pretty amazing. The only thing that I could find was for about six months last year, like I just pop on every once in a while, mm-hmm. um, was my father's obituary, and that doesn't well. come up anymore. Um, but no images, no nothing. Wow. I have that sort of like John Doe real mm-hmm. name that mm-hmm. makes me impossible to find on the internet. Yeah. Not because it's impossible to find me, but because there are so goddamn many of me. Yeah. That it's impossible to pick me out of the haystack. Yeah. yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of me too, but if anybody knows who I am and when they put in my name and they find some unsavory at the top of the list, I'm pretty sure they know mm-hmm. that that's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they've never met me in person or not, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure they know I'm not in the Dade County prison system you know 50 something year old male yeah it's not I don't good, know it's not a good top hit <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so, so anyway yeah um what were we here again oh yeah um my next uh no oh, sorry, uh is uh Tony fucking Todd Tony fucking Todd yeah who's that Tony Todd Oh. Tony Todd. I'm bad with names. I don't names. I, don't, I know. And I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know why I keep saying it. I don't remember that her partner. I don't remember her partner. Oh, Tony Todd. There we go. Yeah, that's, that's right. Tony. That's right. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Todd. Tony like, Todd. Y'all is a literally just y'all just said the name of the partner of daughter wife, and I don't remember his name, and I don't remember daughter wife's name, and I've used it. Vicky so. and the partner of daughter wife, yeah. Andy. Okay, thank you. Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Alright, so hear that go out my other ear. Driver. <laughs> yeah. Tony fucking Todd. Alright, so the actor's name is Tony Todd. He played Candyman in oh. the awesome movie. Oh, that's where I know that guy from. Uh huh. Ozzy? No. No, okay. No, no, no. He was one of the Muslim Brotherhood. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Very distinctive him. voice. Um, has appeared in lots of Star Treks, but yeah. mostly best known, I think, as uh, Worf's brother. Oh my lord, no way. Uh-huh. It's always so hard to recognize people under all the Klingon stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, and, but every time he turns up in anything, I'm just so happy because he's such a great actor. He's a great actor. Oh my god, he's so good. What's he doing in this? Oh, fuck knows. Well, what he's doing in this is offering the protection of the Muslim Brotherhood to yes. to Potts. But uh, so last time we spent a lot of time talking about like, is this about race? The events themselves are not about race, but it seems like the show is trying to make it be about race when the events themselves are not about race. And we brought up like race kind of pervades everything, whether we intended to or not mm-hmm. in America. Um, and my note about the Muslim Brotherhood appearance was okay. Now it's about race. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the last last week's Burning Cross song had appeared in this week's episode, it would make a lot more sense. I agree mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just it stuck out like a sore thumb in last week's episode, and it you know I, I think I, uh, I said at the time it made me feel quite uncomfortable. Um, but in this week's episode, it would have been it would have been fine. Yeah. It would have been it would have been right. 
Like I, 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 and my next note about it was here we are again, the show telling us explicitly the storyline is not about race while making it about race. And this time I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I actually feel like this episode is the show trying to tell a really subtle and incredibly complicated and nuanced story, mm-hmm. which is that race relations are so central to so many of the political questions and social questions and questions of economic justice and questions of of all areas of social justice and you know even like voting access and things like that there's so many questions in america they're really important and have been for decades that are ultimately tied to racism or an expression of racism mm-hmm. or um or racism stands in the way of an effective solution and uh, and and you don't like from if you were just reading the outside of the envelope, you wouldn't think of it as a race issue, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like what the show is doing is saying, here we are, seven episodes. We showed you something that was explicitly not about race. You were there for it, and now we're showing you how race and racial tension and racial questions are so pervasive in America that it is impossible to avoid it becoming about race. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I don't think they're trying to say that it's bad that we confront racial issues. And I don't think they're trying to say that it's good that racial issues creep into these. I think they're saying it's inescapable because who we are as a country. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a really complex and, and, and not often covered angle of American politics and American society. We have lots of stories about race and about racism in which it's really clear-cut who the good guys and the bad guys are, you mm-hmm. know. And um, you don't have to have half the cast of Hee Haw standing around in white hoods for very long to, like, make your point. And a lot of stories about race just go to that really straightforward, cut-and-dried version of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a much more nuanced thing where all the people in it are trying to say this is not about race, and all the people outside of it are saying we have made it about race because of who we are as a nation. Mm-hmm. And that's a powerful story. Mm-hmm. And that I'm really into yeah. as a way for this to go. And so as soon as that scene happened, it was like, oh, do I think that Cop Rock is capable of this? Okay, there are threads in Cop Rock that are this complex. Yes, I think Cop Rock is capable of this. And that really sold me from the get-go on the episode. Yeah. I mean... Sorry, I got on my soapbox for a while. No, 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 no. no, Uh, What it made me think of, actually, was... um, Okay, so, spoilers. I think this this episode actually engages with those issues really rather well. And in a way that you may not have expected from this show. Mm -hmm. And... um, and it's kind of like it's kind of like been building up to it um, and n- not particularly artfully as we pointed out last week that song just didn't really work in that context but now that we're here you kind of realise that well it's it, you know the, the, these issues have been there all along right because LaRusso shot um, a um, a criminal who was black and you know, and, and we, we've had those um, certain scenes, Larusso on the radio show and stuff. And so you know, the, there's the, the 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 whole racism issue has been there the whole time. And I was kind of wondering whether, because as much as we diss this show, it is made by some really 
by by some people who are really really good at what they do so you know, Stephen mm-hmm. Bochco and stuff they're not stupid yeah and and I know this is probably a bit of a stretch but I was kind of thinking about how Orange is the New Black is now a show about um uh non-white characters in prison but the way that it was sold initially was uh, as a story about a white girl who goes to prison. And, you know, I've read interviews with the showrunners who kind of said, or the showrunner, is it Genji uh, Cohen, who kind of said, um, you know, I knew that nobody was going to go for a show that was going to focus exclusively on uh, uh, women of colour in prison. So it was really useful to have the character of Piper as a white girl who goes to prison and we kind of said we're going to follow her through the prison system and of course but by the time you get to uh, I think the last, last season was season three I think um, she, I mean she's still the main character but she kind of hardly figures because it's about women of colour and how they're treated and, 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 and so forth and so it, it, you know the, the, the show has very skillfully, this is Orange is the New Black, become a show about women of colour and how they're treated uh, in prison and actually outside of prison. And it's phenomenal. And um, is Coprock a less artful version of that in that it starts off as a show that deals with lots of different um, uh, uh, storylines, but you know, this is episode eight. Is this where we get to the real meat of the show? Is this where we get to what the show was always going to be about? And again, this might just be a coincidence. But when you look at the DVD menu uh, for Cop Rock, you have four characters. You have um, uh, four police officers. And uh, Andy's one, Vicky's one... I can't remember who... Gaines and... Uh, and Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. And all the white characters are gathered together in the group. And then Franklin mm-hmm. actually... and they, But they, um, Franklin is uh, has his back to them. Mm-hmm. Or they have their backs to him. And I'm kind of wondering, Jesus, is, was, it, was it kind of there all along? Were, were, were mm-hmm. we just being really dumb, not realising that, you know, race was central to this? I might be crediting... Coprock with a bit too much here but quite frankly you know I would say it's Stephen Bochco you know the guy's kind of genius so Mm -hmm. maybe I'm not crediting Coprock with too much maybe this is the way it was heading all along I mean it even made me feel like that cameo by the lieutenant from uh, from Hill Street Blues Mm -hmm. in episode 7 might not have been just Bochco saying Hey, here's this better show I did, mm-hmm. but could in fact be Bochco saying, "Hey, this is about to turn into the show I want it to be." Yeah, mm-hmm. this is about this is the show getting serious now. Yeah, yeah. And so we get the best song opener mm-hmm. that we've had all season. Yeah, and we get a really complex and nuanced look at a really difficult issue that pervades everything we talk about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's uh, it it was. It was a really interesting and exciting episode. Yeah. I mean, 
And now how they have the term jump the shark when the episodes, like when the, when the whole show goes to shit, goes to shit. <laughs> is there like a starting point jump the shark? Oh. <laughs> that, like when it clicks and then there's kind of that growth for a show. Is there? Wow. Has that been coined yet? Mm. Now, so. I'm trying to think of a show that started off really, really badly and ended up being really good. Well, we've got three more episodes to find out how good it can get. That's true. Unfortunately, I'm, we don't have 27 seasons. But, yeah. You know. No. I'm going to argue that Babylon 5's first season was incredibly weak for by, by reason of necessity. Yes. And... Because he had to, J. Michael Straczynski had to build the world in front of you, uh-huh. because it was a completely new set of circumstances, and it was kind of like Star Wars or Star Trek, but it was not yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek, and uh, especially Star Trek. And you like, he had to demonstrate so many of the underpinning assumptions that people made about each other in that world mm-hmm. um, with these really ham-fisted Monster of the Week episodes yeah. so that with the start of season two he could get into like here's the really complex story that I'm telling Yes, and then seasons two, three, and four just phenomenally good television Yeah, and the first season is really rough watching Yeah, and so I would say that's a, an example of that happening yeah yeah that's quite true actually um I kind of think Farscape is kind of similar as well. Yes. Farscape ended up being so good. And the first season, uh, I, 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 I actually stopped watching it the first time uh, 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 it was on TV because I was thinking, oh, this is far too muppety. I can't be doing with this. And then a friend of mine said, like, no, 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 you have to get past the first season and then it really kicks in. Um, but, uh, you know... Um, what 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 would be the term if it was a Babylon Five thing? If you're not jumping the shark, it's what getting the Sheridan. I don't know. Shagging the Narn. <laughs> Shagging the Narn. Shagging the Narn. I've never seen Babylon Five. Surprise! Oh. Surprise! Oh, it's so good. Outing I... the Winters. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't really roll off the tongue though, does it? Hmm. Anyway, I think shooting we... the Jr. Shooting the Jr. Because that was really when Dallas became like a thing that people talked about, and when that was what made primetime soap operas a yeah. thing. Yeah. And before that, it was just, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just like a show about a family in Texas. Yeah. You know? And then it became the term, Who Shot JR, which yeah. people still use. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 40 years later. Yeah. 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 Um, well, think about that. Yeah. Have a think about that. Listener, have a think about that. Let us know what you decide. Yeah. You might want to pause the podcast at this point. Go off, have a think, and then come back. <laughs> During which I'll pour more wine if everybody else wants some. I'll take some. I'm not going to say no. Why not? We are off duty. We should I mean, probably, obviously. Yeah, we should, we should point that out. Um, obviously. Yeah. Off duty, not out of duty. <laughs> <laughs> out of duty, <laughs> I'm never out of duty. Off duty, not out of, not out of commission. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so, I mean, I've got a note here that says, when the chief and Ozzy walk out of court, it's a question, actually, do they bump into Jimmy Smith from L.A. Law? You know, when we, f- we, we reviewed the episode and mm-hmm. we forgot to check for that. We did forget to check for that. 
That'd be a funny shout-out there. I know. Jimmy Smits, if you're listening, write in and tell us if you did that little cameo, a bit like Lara Flynn Boyle did on uh, Ali McBeal. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. She did. She did, yeah, because she was in the sister show, wasn't she? She was yeah. in the practice. Yep. And then her and Ali kind of bumped into each other on Ali oh. McBeal, and they were both uh, pretty, pretty, pretty thin. And I think one of them kind of like says something to, the, uh, um, uh, to, to, uh, to, I think one of them says to the other one, hey, watch where you're going. And the other one replies with like, uh, uh, oh, eat a cookie. And then the other one goes like, oh, maybe we can share one. Yes. It's actually true that their molecules just passed through each other. <laughs> just, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just phased. Um, oh, Lara Flynn Boyle. Um, what a crazy story. Um, my next note is Marxist leanings. Oh. Because when they're doing the jury selection, LaRusso's LaRusso's lawyer goes after that social worker and is like, well, I don't want you on my jury because I think you've got proven Marxist leanings. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, A, (laughs) as a member of the Socialist Forum for my undergraduate university and the only undergraduate in that Socialist Forum, I was surrounded with philosophy grad students who had no idea why I was there. And I was like, can we have a revolution now? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, those are not Marxist leanings. Those are being a human being. Yes. Bless that woman's heart. Was that woman a social worker? Yeah. yeah, she was a social worker. Uh, well, I mean, helped homeless people. And- yeah, she helped homeless people and she was she became a social worker. And yeah, she was she was as good as good gets. Mm. Well, I, I think I have a bone to pick with the costume department here. I don't remember her wearing social worker jewellery. <laughs> social worker jewellery? She still like big chunky beads, you know? Really? Yeah, is that not a thing here? Or in the UK, if somebody's wearing like a necklace, you know, it's got those big chunky kind of beads on. And all like the earrings with like the big bead kind near of beads. Costume jewelry. Oh, just kind like, of like like wooden beads, but yeah. not not like small, but big ones. You know, yeah. like, like like that. Like golf balls on a string. Yeah, we kind of go like social worker jewelry. Really? Yeah. That's news to me. Oh well, our British listeners will uh, appreciate that. I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Of which there are thousands. And now that you've used it, it's going to become a thing in America. I hope so. Americans, if you're listening, <laughs> please feel free to take up the uh, social worker jewellery uh, cause. And uh, social workers, if you're listening, no offence. We used to have an office that I worked next to. We had social workers in the adjacent office, and I don't think they were all like hippy dippies, and I don't think they barely wore shoes, much less jewellery. Oh, bless them. So, mm. yeah. well, that's a point of cultural difference. Mm. Yeah. There you go. So... Two people divided by a common language. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the chief. Oh gosh. And his appearance in the uh, in the media, insulting half of LA. Oh god. <laughs> what the fuck was that all about? So we should explain that the chief, outside of the court room, lays into pretty much every minority group. I'm using air quotes there. Because, you know, pretty much everything except for white old men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. 
I, I always have to put air quotes on minority because I'm not being funny, but you know, like together we are the Rainbow Coalition. Are we yeah, not? We are. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Even including feral women. Yeah. Um, yes. So it reminded me. I feel like it was an explicit, like, nod to uh, okay. James G. Watt. He was Ronald Reagan's Secretary of the Interior. His first Secretary of the Interior. Uh, he has is widely regarded as one of the worst cabinet choices any president has ever made. His whole deal was that he wanted to encourage development on public lands for the purposes of prop of profit. Uh, when he was asked about things like environmentalism, he would say things like, "We don't have to worry about using up natural resources because the Lord will return before mm. that happens." <laughs> And, and it is unconfirmed, but it has long been attributed to him that he said in a speech, when the last tree falls, Christ will come back. So that's the kind of guy we're talking about here. At a speech to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in September of 1983, he said, mocking affirmative action, uh, and talking about a coal leasing panel, like a panel of people that reviewed coal leases, leases mm -hmm. by coal yeah. companies on coal mines. I have a black, a woman, two Jews, oh. and a cripple. And we have talent, too. Oh, my God. And he had to resign as a result of having said that. And so I felt like the chief's comments were intended to be sort of a joking allusion to that, or at least right. like a reminder that that sort of thing still happened. Uh, it's horrifying. Um, and what I wrote about it afterwards was the chief used to be a kind of lovable, if embarrassing, doofus. And now I just kind of hate him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that guy, that the real guy, is he still alive? Yes, according to Wikipedia. So do you think we're going to see him on Trump's cabinet? Oh, no. He's far too old and senile and not rich enough. Oh, really? Oh, you know, so because, like, old, senile, I'm thinking, like, yep, mm, yep, yeah. not rich enough. Sounds pretty oh, good. Yeah. yeah. And he's not Trump's daughter. He's not He's not married to a Trump kid, so no, he's probably okay. not going to do very well. And he's not also technically a Nazi, so he's probably not going to do very well in the Trump yeah. cabinet. Is he out cutting all the trees still so the can come before he dies yeah. so he can see that? <laughs> Glorious day of the resurrection, or whatever you know, with a, with a chainsaw <laughs> made of Bibles. Oh my god, I'm pretty sure I saw online that Jeebus can only come back if he gets a million likes, right? Well, see, and I have hacked the shit out of that Facebook page, <laughs> so we don't have to worry about that happening. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, uh, that that whole chief laying into like the homosexualists and you know and all, all the rest of it was um I, I i like your theory that it was an intentional kind of lack like an intentional kind of jokey reference to that bloke i i think the show is making an intentional yeah. reference i think the chief does, no yeah no no mean all those yeah things. yeah because, uh, uh, you know, watching it cold like we did, I was just thinking, like, oh, this is a bit cack-handed and... Yeah. Yeah. Not good. No, not good. And uh, talking of not good, 
Why, Lord, must the innocent suffer? So it's uh, it's a song sung by a uh, a woman of a little boy who's been gunned down. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, she's the mother. She's the mother. Kid turned a corner on his bicycle and got caught in the crossfire of a drive-by shooting. Yes. So that song is musically really bad. Shade. God. It's topical as fuck, though. I mean, like, this week, oh, yeah. a 15-year-old honor student got murdered by the cops for no good reason. Yeah. Today, it was announced that the Justice Department is not going to try to prosecute the cops who shot someone in Baton Rouge last year. You know, like, it's topical as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a really bad song. Yeah. Oh, it's really well-meaning. You can't fault them for that. No. But, um, yeah, it is a, it's a terrible song. I mean, it does sound... The, the lyrics are so cack-handed that it sounds like one of the songs that I would make up on the toilet when I was a kid. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that she, a song you would make up to make fun of cop rock. <laughs> no, no. I mean, obviously, if I if I had seen cop rock as a kid, then I might I might do that. But no, it's one of those you know songs that I would I would uh, compose um, on the toilet. It is, however, at least about a crime. It is. That's a point in its favor. Mm-hmm. It's a. Yeah, not a good song about crime. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes back to just the repetition and the execution. And I just, yeah, I mean, it was an execution of an execution, but it was not good. It's not a good song. Yeah. Yeah. She move on. It does, however, introduce one of the most satisfyingly hateable characters on the TV show. Oh, yeah. my Lord. The detective? Yes. Jesus. <sighs> Yeah. And then, like, then what do we get? We get a scene of the chief and the mayor, mm-hmm. and the mayor's trying to tell the chief, hey, you can't say shit like that. Mm-hmm. But also, <laughs> what's the status of our relationship? And I wrote down, oh, dear sweet space Jesus on planet Nibiru, the goddamn <laughs> chief and mayor relationship can not be more important than his insulting half of fucking L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wrote down uh, uh, two quotes from the mayor. Uh, At one point, she says, uh, how is it possible to offend so many groups in such a short space of time? And you think like, yeah. And then a few minutes later, she says, that notwithstanding, I still want to go to bed with you, baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. It felt like I had actually heard rocks fall out of her mouth and hit the ground when she said that. <laughs> like, it wasn't just... It didn't just land with a thud. <laughs> it was like... Ba-boom. Yeah. It was awful. Like, I can't imagine having read the script and then been like... Can't wait to go to work today and say those words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is... This is uh, set in L.A. Um, the size of the rocks falling out of her mouth, I would worry that they would set off the San Andreas Fault. For real. It's like the end of Superman. The yes. movie. Yeah. Uh, it's just fucking awful. So bad. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, and uh, talking of bad... But I like the way that you just licked between us and then just very quietly sighed. Like, <laughs> like you can't even... You just do not just can't even start. I can't even, yeah. There have been many moments where my silence is just because I'm just like... You know, my little two-bit processor, you know, trying to like... No, I, yeah, I can't even... I can't even. Well, it's just, it's not so much can't even. It's just like, why would you want to? Right. I was just, oh my lord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is the the story of Coprock, and it for every high, oh, there have been some great highs in this episode. Some yeah. Really low lows. Oh, so bad. That was a low low. That was definitely a low low. And um, uh, yeah, and then um, we've got. Uh, I've written his name down. Miller. 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 I think that's the racist cop. Mm-hmm. Name. Oh, okay. I think it's called Miller. Because I've put Miller's song, and then I've put like a little thing in it. It says Miller's racist song. Because <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I think the song is called Blue is Blue and Black is Black. Yeah. And, um,. My note was, oh boy, a song about how great it would be if more people were racist. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good, it's a good old, like, fuck that guy, I hate him now song. I'm cool with that. There are lots of Disney musicals I can think of where the villain gets a song where you're like, oh, I kind of hate that villain now. I'm gay, so I also love those villains because they're <laughs> our icons. I mean, you know, Ursula, etc. <laughs> you know. I, I mean, loved Ursula. Ursula is the best. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, Ursula clearly is the one who deserves to win. But, um, so, like, uh, it, this, however, does a fine job of making me actually hate the villain. Yeah. It's also really, really, really ham-fisted. Yeah. Yeah. I like that Gaines' is a moment of bravery is to be like, yeah, well, I think you're not very nice. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, uh, just like a side note, um, if you play Cop Rock at like four times the speed, Gaines is like ten times as sexy. Oh, definitely. And I think it's just because he, he moves at such a slow pace normally that it, it's kind of weird to have sexual feelings towards him. It's like <laughs> having sexual feelings towards a, a snail or a, or a sloth or a sloth, whichever way you'd like to... Pronounce that. Do you say sloth? I've heard people say sloth. I would say sloth. Okay. I'd say sloth. Okay. I just didn't know if it was like one of those dynasty dynasty possibly sloth. I yeah. I say a sloth. British version. Yeah. But then there's uh, there's also like um, when people say like oh as he is wont to do. Uh-huh. Some people say as he is wont to do. And no, I'm that's thinking, wrong. That's wrong, isn't They're it? Wrong. It is wont, isn't it's it? Wont. Yes. It is wont. Yes. Yeah, you can look it up. It's in the dictionary. Oh. Linguistically, I'm a prescriptivist. I don't apologize for that. <laughs> what a pervert. Um, yeah, so, uh, listeners, I think it's sloth and want. Yes. Yes, sloth um, and want. Sloth and want. Let's move on. Story of my life. <laughs> I want a sloth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the little... Or the snowboards, maybe. Oh, yeah. Pet sloth. So, I have written down the phrase, ain't no roses in your family tree. 
That's something that the cop, the, the racist detective says, right? Or is that something the game says to him? I don't remember. Ain't no roses in your family tree. I remember that being a phrase somebody uses in the episode and being like, what the hell does that mean? That sounds like something that would come out of Gaines's mouth because he does kind of tend to just kind of be a bit goofy. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Another, it's another example, though, of the TV show, like having turns of phrase and like jokes and things like that that are not real. Mm-hmm. that make no sense that were written in where'd you say Southeast Asia or something <laughs> yeah it's like it's, it's like you got like written in another language and your Google translated it yeah. like through seven different languages until English right. yeah yeah I, 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 I yeah I think Duda's right I think it's Gaines who says that yeah and that's his ribba seems like a Gainesism yeah weird weird um anyway less said about that racist twat the better um oh I but he I'm, shows up multiple times he does episode yeah yeah and kind of vomit a little each time yeah. yeah uh i've got ralph father husband and andy finally come to blows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. boys will be boys mm-hmm. as they say but i mean it, it's not like a long drawn out knockdown no but it's thomas hell yeah. yeah. Who actually thinks that fisticuffs is going to solve their fucking problem? Outside of a Marvel husband. movie. Outside of a Marvel movie. Yeah. Like, it's just not... These are grown people. And, like, I, and they're fighting over a woman, and it's so retro. It's so throwback. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so... It belongs in something out of the 50s, not something out of 1990. Yeah. And, like, maybe they're consciously trying to do that with Ralph as a character, where he is so goddamn retro about the way that their relationship is supposed to work. I just hate him so much. Um, And it was satisfying to see him get decked, but, hey, okay, A, stand those two people next to each other. No, sorry. Ralph has already told us that he's like two pork chops away from a heart attack. He is gonna <laughs> bite it in the middle of trying to fight Andy. I'm sorry. And I kind of wish that that's where they had gone. I kind of wish that Andy had punched him and he'd had a goddamn heart attack and died. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mourn Ralph. No, not for a second. No. Do you know what? Apropos of like something that we mentioned a bit earlier. Shouldn't this show have been called Cut Rocks? Because I'm thinking the rocks that fell out of the mayor's mouth. (laughs) The rocks that are obviously rattling about in the chief's head. And the rocks that are causing Ralph so many issues. issues. Prostate rocks. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really good point. They could have named this episode that. Cop rocks. Cop rocks. I know. I was just mm-hmm. kind of thinking like a, a you know, like a, a grand unifying theme. Mm-hmm. Or Ralphs could be cock rocks too. <laughs> yeah, true. I think that'd be the porn version. Cock rocks. Is there a porn version of? Cock oh my god, rock? there needs to be. That'd be amazing. Can we can we create a cast and the you know we'll yes. take the the top ten or eleven soundtrack songs, and then we can kind of notify the lyrics and make it super saucy and mm-hmm. oh my lord I wonder if Colby Kelly can sing 
I don't like him now. He's got a beard and that. Oh, oh, I like him. No. Uh, mm. Hmm. Anyway, this isn't gay porn rock. <laughs> <laughs> Could be though. Colby, if you're listening. No. Oh, if you're listening, please write in. <laughs> you retweeted me once, and I will never forget. <gasps> really? Yeah. Really. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, He's a babe. Um, so, back to the show. My next note was, who has a wood grain refrigerator? Like, for real. The, the captain's house, in his house, he has a refrigerator that has fake wood grain on the front of it to match his fake wood grain cabinets. And that is possibly the most bothersome thing in this whole episode. I don't like that at one bit. How do you know which part of your kitchen is your refrigerator when you're really drunk if it's covered in wood grain that matches your cabinets? That's weird. And do they park their wood grain sided station wagon in the kitchen and then not be able to know where to open the door? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> It'd be like some fucking Escher painting where they're constantly opening like wood grain doors and just ending up in like like, the car, the kitchen, the car, the kitchen, the car, the kitchen. She's like all complaining about not having a job and and like being a homemaker, which understandable. I would not want that life for myself. Not that there's anything wrong with it if somebody chooses it, but it's not what I would choose. So I'm feeling sympathetic for her. But I also, like, now wonder, like, is she sitting around, like, making clothes for them that are wood grain print? <laughs> like, like are, is she, like, ever just find herself, like, turning out a couple of pairs of pants for, for our listener in the UK? Trousers. Trousers, thank you. And maybe also pants. Possibly. Uh, in wood grain, just because she can, because then they can play a really epic game of hide-and-seek in their kitchen. Oh, my God. It's like a New Order video, isn't it? It is. Oh, my God. I watched that. But she's boring, isn't she, though? Oh, oh my God. She needs God. to hang out with the chick from Millennium. Yeah, when she's not working. Yeah. yeah. I want to say it's not that she's boring. It's that they are boring. Yeah. I love the captain when he's at the police station. Mm-hmm. I hate the captain when he's at home. Oh, my God. Well... Yeah, because he's, like, in the doghouse because he's missed their son's recital. Yeah, well, I'd probably miss it, too. Yeah. Well, their son well, he looks was really boring, doesn't he? Yeah. He'd be a good match for Millennium's kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I was going to say, but he missed the recital, wasn't it, because he was calling out the racist detective? For yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. he was, like, you know, at work late on his files and... Dude comes in and he's basically threatening to fire him if he doesn't mm-hmm. yeah. clean up his... Well, not that he could change being a racist asshole, but... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He tells him, have you ever... He asks him, have you ever thought about retiring? And he's like, mm-hmm. no. He's like, well, maybe you should. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. Yeah. But again, his accent there was like so New York. It's such <laughs> a weird thing how much New York there is in LA in this TV show. I think... But isn't it true that all policemen are from New York? Oh, is that where they breed them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Breed and train and then, you know... Ship them out. Yeah. Yeah. Big containers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true in the UK. Every single policeman in the UK has a New York accent. Really? (laughs) It's really bizarre. Especially if you go somewhere like Dorset. (laughs) (laughs) Makes them easy to spot at parties, though. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Hard to do undercover work. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, talking of the uh, the uh, captain's uh, little boy, um, the captain actually sings his little boy a song. <sighs> his little boy's asleep at the time, and uh, if he wasn't at the beginning of the song, he would be by the end of it. <laughs> Maybe this kid is actually a wax figure. Possibly. Yeah. We had it on fast forward, and I still couldn't see any movement whatsoever coming no. from he that child. He did a little child. bit on his lips. Mm. Oh, really? That kid is in the middle of escaping from Alcatraz. I swear to God. <laughs> he's got a fake head on the bed, on the pillow, and he's stuffed rolled up newspapers underneath the covers. And he's like, I am not sticking around for this bedtime ballad bullshit. Yeah. I am out the door, and Dad can sing to fake me. Oh, my God. Well, that, that song was just awful. So awful. Is it uh, Sleep Little Boy? Sleep Little Boy, or Vomit in Song Form. <laughs> It was just minging. So bad. Jesus Christ. And to think that this episode started with Why Can't a Man Be More Like a Woman, which is so amazing. Which is so good. Yeah, and then then you get this. Ugh, Cut Rock. Why'd you do it to us? Well, it seems like that's not... I mean, I feel like there are lots of episodes where it starts out stronger, like in the first one or two songs. Yeah. And then it's just like... Mm -hmm. Like downhill from there. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes with a really strong finisher, which I think is true in this episode. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, usually, you know, like if if it's got a strong finisher, it's it's because of uh, Crystal Ashtray's mother. And I hate to labour this, (laughs) Snout. But once again, no Crystal Ashtray and no Crystal Ashtray's crack whore mother. I had to get everybody through to the end of the series, right? Mm-hmm. So that means she's going to be in the next. <gasps> no, it means she's not so, going to no, reappear. If I remember correctly, she does show back up, and she is actually credited with being in all eleven episodes, but she's not. Mm-hmm. But I think if she comes back. I'm pretty sure you can't hold me that though. It's not a verbal. It's a. It's a best of verbal contract. Jesus Christ! Are you going to break out to? He's guilty. He's guilty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He's guilty. He lied. He said she was going to be here. Our what? Shimmerman is going to come in and sing about what a dick I am. Ah, uh, <laughs> man. If you're listening, no. Uh, I was if actually... you're listening. Talk to us about Buffy. Oh my God! Or talk to us about uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh. My favorite. Or Cop Rock. Or what you had for lunch. How about that? Anything. I'll take for that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say, if I was reviewing this podcast, then uh, yeah, you would definitely be bad cop. Whoops. Who? Me. Him. Yeah. Because he lied about Crystal Lustre's mom. So much yeah. lie is, is tragically misremember. <laughs> Massage well, that, truth. Did well, you? That, that, and especially if you said that she was listed and credited, that yeah. would make one think that she was uh, in them. Yeah, on IMDb, she's listed as. I being wonder if she got episodes. paid for all eleven episodes. I hope so. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are episodes she's not in where she's still the best thing in the episode, <laughs> <laughs> or at least yeah. the best best thing in the podcast. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. she gets a shout out in all our podcasts. She does every That's single it. one. Yeah. So what if 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 this podcast ever ends up on IMDb, <laughs> that would happen. Oh, there's an idea. Are there I need podcasts to see, on IMDb? No, but I, I need to see if if I can figure out a way to get the IMDb <laughs> record for the show to reflect that there's a podcast about the show. Oh, because okay. when everybody's researching the cop rock, mm-hmm. four point three. 
out of 10 on the IMDb. I'm not sure how to feel about that. It's a travesty. Well, I had a lot of people that I've told that, well, about like two or three that I've told about this podcast and they're like, I can't wait. And I'm like, I, let me, let me see if I feel like sharing it. You know, it's kind of one of those things that like to listen before, you know, but fuck it, whatever. (laughs) Those two or three people. Love me anyway. Mm -hmm. I'm all hairy goodness. What were you going to say? Well, no, I was going to say, they they (laughs) obviously love you because they come visit you. Because I think this is the time that we should come clean to the listeners and tell them that we are actually all in prison right now. Yeah. And we've been recording this as, like, part of our community outreach. Whew. Yeah. They're never going to let us out. I know. They're going to keep us in extra. Our paroles are fucked. Oh, definitely minus mm-hmm. fucked. But never mind. Listeners, if you're out there, then, you know, come visit us. Listeners, if you're out there, we're in here. <laughs> we're Send in us here. letters. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a little snail mail. I think you know, I think the clues were there all along. We are we are reviewing something called Cup Rock. <laughs> obviously, have like an axe to grind. Which <laughs> is any excuse to slag off coppers. I've already talked about my problems with authority. Mm-hmm. I have been in crack. I have admitted to being in crack houses and or being somewhat tied to dead people. We've probably had sex with people who killed people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And or cops. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> cops. Definitely cops. Well, I think I'm a maybe on that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. I definitely know. It's probably a higher probability that I've had sex with somebody who's killed somebody than with a known cop, but that, I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> <laughs> Murderers, if you're listening. <laughs> definitely right into Duda. Oh, totally. You're her type. You can leave a note on my car as long as it's not my car. (laughs) (laughs) Random people can be eating signs, you know. Detective Duda. Here's a note. They're going to be like, who the fuck's Detective Duda? They're going to go look and then they're going to listen to the podcast and they're going to find out that somebody's obsessed with me but leaving the notes on their car. Mm -hmm. That's going to be our viral marketing. Yeah. 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 Yep. Let's leave a few notes around. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, uh, talking of cops. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) We're doing a podcast? What? (laughs) I know. I just, I was trying to segue smoothly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Talking of cops on a podcast called Let's Watch Cop Rock. um, I love the fact that Gaines gets called out on his Some of My Best Friends Are Black shtick by Franklin. Yeah, because, like, I've been that guy. I've been Gaines before without realizing it. Oh, really? Yeah, when I stop and think about it, I can think of friendships I've had with African-Americans and other people of color where I, like, tried to compensate for being the guilty white liberal and and totally did that, where I okay. would be like, oh, I'm never going to talk about, like, quote-unquote white stuff with these people uh, because I want to prove how, like, down with yeah. people of color I am and... Uh, and ended up sounding like a real asshole. So I'm like, that's actually an experience a lot of like well-meaning white people have had. I think. Uh, well, I'm I'm so like unbelievably kind of white bread British that there's no way on earth that I can, since living in the U.S., 
you know, sort of like uh, um, when I've uh, been in the same social situation as African Americans, mm-hmm. there's no way on earth that I could easily do that. Do you know what I mean? It would be so massively, obviously offensive. Just sort of like, mm. so yeah, I can't be anything other than what I am. Um, so, which we probably love you, the way you are. What's that? So, which we love you the way you are. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. But I was just I think about to say. Else would too. Uh, well, yeah, thank you. But I was just about to say, which probably comes across as massively offensive because I'm kind of like, I always insist on saying trousers, not pants. I'm saying water, not water. Uh, I, I, do, I do all that, and it's you just, say want. I do, do say want and sloth, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, oh my god, who the hell does he think he is? But um, but no, I can see how that would happen though, because I often find um, that when you um, uh, when you spend time with people, then often you end up inadvertently kind of not copying them. But your your behaviour, you, you you do tend to mm-hmm. modify your behaviour, mm-hmm. right? I think this is well, like a well known thing. Normal social bonding, yeah. you know. Yeah. I have used the term mingin before around. Have you? I <laughs> do kind of like mingin. I like mingin, but I'm never quite sure what it means. <laughs> yeah, it just means really, really horrible. Okay. And it's like, ooh, it's yeah. mingin. Okay. Yeah. That cake's mingin. <laughs> There's no such thing as a, as a horrible cake. Uh, That's not true. I don't like German chocolate. <gasps> there are some cakes that are just not that good. It just depends on what's wrong and how off from the wedding cake variety. I find that there's like that wedding cake perfection mm-hmm. where it's got like the nice moistness and like the not too gritty icing, but mm-hmm. it's not like that fake shit. Uh-huh. And then it's got a little heft to the flower part mm-hmm. and then any variation off to that I have had some really terrible cakes where it's been dry and wow. flowery and or you know but cake is really good even if it's bad mm-hmm. yeah so I'm kind of a fan of cake that's what I'm saying mm-hmm. cake cops and cocks mm-hmm. not a bad evening <laughs> <laughs> and not a bad uh, title for your autobiography oh, that's yeah right. that's right okay favorite cake I really love uh, chocolate buttercream with chocolate cake with a raspberry filling. Mm. But buttercream is... I, I didn't find buttercream much like grits and pimento cheese until my late 20s, mid-20s, late 20s. And I fucking love buttercream. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh, uh, Christmas cake. What's Christmas cake? Christmas cake is like a really, really rich fruit cake. Oh, with like, uh, and it's uh, usually made with I think it's brandy and um, fur. <laughs> there's no fur in it. Not F U R F I R like the tree. I just think of, like the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, God, she's sad in my cake. Tastes like gin. She's hair mad. This one. Uh, yeah. There's doo in my cake. Exactly. Not doo 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 da. Fur in the cake. Um, no, it's kind of a very rich fruit cake. Uh, like uh, cherries, you know, uh, currants, raisins, all that kind of stuff. I guess somebody's going to write in and say, mm, well, "That's all right." And then you have like a marzipan layer, and then you have like an icing layer on it. 
possibly mm. little uh, icing robin on it as well. Mm. And I just love it. I mean, you know, it gives you shocking wind, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all that fiber, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, well, you know, all those uh, like you know, sultanas currants, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, glassy cherries, you know. But mm. I mean, that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? Wind. Breaking the wind, yeah, breaking wind. I have a really great fruitcake, branded fruitcake recipe. Really, we'll make it and mail it to you this oh, Christmas. Excellent. Yeah, because it's primo stuff. Oh. Um, What's your favorite cake? Yeah. Oh, chocolate with chocolate frosting. There's a, partic- a particular recipe from Southern Living, I think, in the 1960s mm. that has become my family's birthday cake, mm. and it is called chocolate velvet cake. Is the name of the oh. original recipe, and the the frosting is is kind of buttercream, but it it once it has had some time, like overnight, it kind of sets a little, and it sort of turns into fudge. Mm. And so it's like you have this delicious moist chocolate cake that you let cool while covered so that it retains all the moisture, mm-hmm. none, of, none of the moisture escapes. And it's this incredibly rich, moist chocolate cake encased in this unbelievably delicious sort of fudge. Oh my god. That sounds really good. I can I can envision the little Tupperware twist off container yes. that it's like stuck in the fridge in to trap the magic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I can I can see that. Mm. So good. That's I, my favorite. I do love chocolate cake. Yeah. I also like I'm kinda of picky, like I like chocolate cake with chocolate buttercream. But if I have cupcakes, I like chocolate cupcakes with white icing refrigerated. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just want the moon on a stick, you do, don't you? Right. I mean I'm nothing wrong with that. I like <laughs> I like my cakes a certain way. Oh. There's nothing like knowing what you want. That's yeah. right. Um, so Setting cake boundaries over here. <laughs> <laughs> At the total opposite of the spectrum, though, are the like the dudes who get chased through the streets. Yeah, yeah. They are not going after birthday cakes. They're just getting <laughs> chased through the streets. I actually wrote in my notes, "Look, ma, a car chase." Yes, <laughs> this is like the first car, ch- second car chase we've had. Since because that was the first episode, yeah. the pilot episode yeah. where that guy died, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second car chase of the whole series, and it's a cop show. Completely <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, but it's a good car chase. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, some good driving in those. Yeah, yeah, it was actually Caprice classes classics. Yeah, Caprice classics. Yeah. yeah, I love that that sequence. I thought it was really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that as well. And then, sorry. No, go for it. I was going to say, the, the guys who get caught, they are the guys who get caught, right? Who have the final song. Yeah, Life in the Hood. Life in the Hood. Which, again, was a really, really great song. It was. It's a great song. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I actually, it made me wonder, because it's such an early instance of, like, a mainstream use of what we would call gangster rap. Mm-hmm. It made me wonder, like, how early in the use of that term is it? And so oh, I did yeah. some research into how, when was the first use of gangster rap? Uh-huh. And there's, that's a debatable question. But uh, some of the earliest instances include in 1989, so just a year before this, a uh, piece in LA Weekly, actually, uh-huh. referred to Ice-T as having been, like, a founder of the gangster rap genre. Wow. 
And so the notion of gangster rap was very new and very current mm-hmm. at the time and not like a huge part of like the mainstream pop scene. Yeah. The way that like hip hop music is a big part of the mainstream mm-hmm. pop yeah. scene now. Um, and so like when we think pop stars now, we think people who are hip hop stars as well as pop stars, you know. Yeah. But at the time this was pretty out there for a for a mainstream evening primetime genre uh, drama you know to be showing yeah well I actually have uh, quoted it because you know it was, um, I made a note that it's a song all about a, a gang shooting and the, there's a lyric that says life in the hood ain't no piece of pie anybody could die when the bullets fly mm-hmm. like, I mean it was uh, yeah like you say it was kind of it would have been unusual at that time mm-hmm. right there's actually some really solid writing in this episode. Yeah. The scene between Potts and Ozzy. Yes. Um, when Ozzy says, if you don't testify, then you'll never sleep the sleep of a brave man yeah. again. Mm-hmm. That's a great line. Yeah. And in that whole scene and throughout this arc, but especially in that scene, I feel like the actor portraying Potts, the actor portraying Potts does a great job of a really difficult performance yeah which is to depict a character who is sort of gazing inwardly at two different futures mm-hmm. and finding each of them equally horrifying right and like you do this you get this you do this yeah. you get this other yeah exactly mm-hmm. and uh and he doesn't say a word in that whole scene yeah but he does a great job of depicting this the dilemma that Potts finds himself in i feel like That's, the lawyer did that too Really? Didn't he? Didn't when he met with the lawyer, and mm-hmm. he told him oh, to. Yeah. Was that later? Was yeah. That? No, the lawyer uh, early on, earlier on in the episode, the lawyer he meets with is like, as one black man to another, you should not testify mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're going to get roasted mm-hmm. either way. Mm-hmm. And it's a that's a very powerful scene. Yeah. It's a very effective dramatic scene. It's so good I didn't make any notes about it because mm-hmm. it was just a good television. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I backtracked us really hard there. No, no, no. Uh, make sure to point that out. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that 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 scene was actually really well done. Both of them, actually, that we yeah. just talk, talk, talked about. And um, I mean, it's so so easy just to pick up on the shit scenes and the shit songs. It is because they're the ones that that you know you want to write something about because takes you away from actually watching it mm-hmm. but when you actually see a, a great scene like that you just you're just so interested in the scene you just don't write about it yeah yeah but life in the hood it's a great song it's mm-hmm. a fantastic closer for the episode yeah i did write um but how about we not back up the racist cops arguments okay uh mm. because you can see that cop but in in its own way that's a sign of the greatness of the song you can see that cop standing there nodding along like yep this proves everything I've said mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can see other cops standing there nodding along like yep this is the reality of the life that some people live and we're charged with protecting them just like we are everybody else mm-hmm. yeah it's a really nuanced and complex situation mm-hmm. yeah I mean but it's interesting though because you kind of said like you know like the, the closer that's not quite the closer though is it Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, 
the disappointment in your voice. Um, <laughs> I wanted the episode in there. Yeah, it would have ended on a uh, on a bit of a high, but no, we end up we, we end it with uh, father, husband, and daughter, wife, uh, whose storyline's been dormant since the beginning of the episode. Oh no, actually, no, we do have the Ralph and Andy fight. Um, and uh, they decide that they're going to go for counselling. They don't need to go for counselling. She needs to dump his ass. Yeah. I mean, I agree. she has access to firearms. And he's a fucking stalker. Yeah. Yeah. Husband or not, he stalked her. Yeah. yeah. And his whole, like, I'll go to counseling if you'll get a different partner. And she says, okay, that's very disappointing mm. to me. Yeah. Because she doesn't need to get another partner. He needs to either trust his wife or get a different wife. Get the fuck out of her life. Yeah. Yeah. Or not be insecure because his prostate's not working and he's overweight and two pork tops away from a heart attack. Yeah. I think he's just not able to work through his own issues to realize that, you mm. know, she's literally true to him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's never like no conveyed otherwise that she's interested in Andy or wants to be with Andy and she's always kind of like blowing him off like hey, yeah oh, whatever you know like oh little brother go away yeah stop bugging me yeah and he just doesn't believe her she's always f- she's constantly fending Andy off mm-hmm. and he's like trying it on not in a coarse way mm-hmm. uh, but yeah made himself very available oh I think so yeah and she's without judging him for that made it clear that she's not interested and they're still able to do their job mm-hmm. and that's really cool that they depict characters who are like that mm-hmm. and it is really uncool that Ralph does not trust his wife yeah. despite explicitly saying that he would believe her yeah I feel like I, my sympathy levels for Ralph just sink lower and lower and lower. And now they're just lying on the bottom of the sympathy barrel, burrowing to see if there's any deeper they can go. And we get to find out what happens in episode nine. Mm. Yeah. Fingers crossed, he gets killed. Well, if I saw him walking down the street, I'd hit him over the head with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> Would you tell him why? No. Just let him wander. Yeah, I just do it. Just the actor just walking down the street and you'd be like, you played such a dick in the show 27 years ago. I'm going to lap you over the head with this brick. Is that... Not even that. Up? Just that anybody would look like him. Oh. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, on that bombshell. <laughs> Speaking for portly balding men everywhere. <laughs> 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 Won't be turning my back for the rest of the day. <laughs> so, good cop, bad cop, innocent bystander. I feel very comfortable being good cop on this, for all the reasons I've already stated. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be good cop or you want to be good cop, feel free to claim it. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. You're shaking your head. No. Yeah, Dudas says no. No, I'm a good cop. Okay, really solid music at the beginning. Really solid music at the end. Really, truly groundbreaking uh, uses of genre music that 
we have not seen and didn't show up in any of other any of any other shows musical episodes. They weren't doing Life in the Hood in the musical episode of Moonlighting. They weren't doing Life in the Hood in the musical episode of Buffy. Fifteen years later, you know, ten years later, whatever, twelve. Um, which is a great episode, but you know they weren't doing Life in the Hood in that episode. Like I feel like there are ways in which this episode is open to the full breadth of American culture and problems in a way that the average cop show just is not. And it's a lot more nuanced in that respect, and I, I have a tremendous admiration for that. Mm-hmm. Well, would you like to be bad cop, or would you like to be I innocent I think I'm bar? always bad cop, because then I give... Do you, do you have a preference? I'd probably be innocent bystander. Alright, I'll be bad cop because it was a shit fucking sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you did have, you were absolutely right with the strong musical opening and uh. the quite firm, gorgeous ending. Um, but I think that in between it was just kind of weak and there was too much father daughter shit going on and boring Captain Wife life and the songs were shitty but the opening in the end really kind of redeemed this episode um mm. yeah lots of shitty stuff with the uh yeah I, that's, that's my summation <laughs> at about 3.2 seconds well uh, so I'm innocent bystander and I do fall after I was just going to say fall between two stools and I don't know why I was going to say that because I really hate that expression especially because Dudas just said shit sandwich so that's put that image in my, in my mind um, yeah I'm not, I'm not I'm not falling in between the, two, two of those kinds of stools um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah I I think the episode had some really great highs um uh, Vicky standing up to Ralph at the beginning and her song The Prince influenced uh, Why Can't a Man Be More Like a Woman was great Tony fucking Todd was in it um, uh, it, it did attempt to deal with the issue of uh, not not the issue of race because that's such a horribly broad and <laughs> borderline offensive term but mm-hmm. the issue of uh, the, the police and race mm-hmm. and the relationship between those two uh, 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 yeah between the two um, however so Vicky standing up to Ralph at the beginning is like pretty much totally negated by the fact at the end that she agrees to give up her partner so that her massively insecure husband will go to uh, uh, therapy with her um, Tony fucking Todd is in this episode but he's but not very much mm-hmm. and he's just kind of like he, he's in it and then he's not in it really um, and uh, for every attempt to deal sensitively with the topic of um, uh, race and the police um, you've got some cack-handed semi-comedic business with the chief offending all the minority groups 
minority groups in one fell swoop and the mayor saying that notwithstanding I still want to go to bed with you baby um, just horrible filthy um, so yeah I'm you know I liked a lot of it I didn't like a lot of it fair I liked it there are parts I hated but I liked it mm. on the whole I'm kind of liking cop rock me too I think there's stuff to be said about it mm-hmm. and there's more to it than I thought there would be it's not just bad no no I think my first notes the first episode the first night I was like what the fuck <laughs> yeah and I've, I've written that a couple of times but for me, I really just like spending time with you guys and hearing Aww. about all of these shows that I've never watched and <laughs> remembering stories from my random childhood of uh-huh. stuff. And mm-hmm. I, that's what I've enjoyed about this. But yeah. Cop Rock, on a whole, is not awful. It's <laughs> we could be it's, marketing people for them. It's yeah, it's not uh, awful. That's that's good marketing <laughs> right there. Yeah, it's not awful. I'm gonna go ahead and say, Cop Rock. It's not Big Bang Theory. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, because that's awful. Yeah, because I know I know people that like Big Bang Theory a lot, and I've I've only seen maybe two or three episodes, so I don't really have much to go on, but. I know people who like it. They are not evil people. I hate the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's wretched. Mm. So, with that said, now that we've given it the fantastic sales pitch of It's Not Awful. <laughs> well, well, it's not awful! <laughs> How's that? Does that maybe, make it kind of more of a jingle? Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. Like, maybe they've got a song that. about it. Yeah. Um, well, what do you expect from three criminals banged up behind bars? I mean, you know, come on. Our only instrument is percussion because we've got ten cups. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this this podcast is free. I mean, yeah, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Send us money, motherfuckers. <laughs> Either that or go cop yourself. Go cop yourself, yeah. Copophiliac yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go watch episode nine. Yeah, if the warden's a us. Well, you know, if. Yeah. Nigel. Nigel. <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> Who's Nigel? <laughs> Let's Watch Cop Rock is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme music for Let's Watch Cop Rock is The Crime by Risework, released under a Creative Commons Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 License. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter as at CopRocker and at Officer Orifice. And I was punished, I did my time, and now the jury in silent main. Has passed the verdict